is the SCT Show. Hughes carries to the hash mark, into the slot, Horvat scores! Just 12 seconds into the man advantage, the captain gets the Canucks on the board. Four fans. I want to win a cup. And I don't know if you guys want to win a cup. I want to win a cup. Bye, fans. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that Jimbo got his ass handed to him this offseason, right? Like, I, I, I could just imagine. Aquilini must have just tore him a new asshole. Here are your hosts, Tanbir Rana and Nam Man. Welcome to another episode of the SCT Show. We're going to talk some Canucks. going to talk some gambling. And, uh, you know... Talk about how the Montreal Canadiens are somehow in the fucking Stanley Cup Finals. I wonder how much money the uh, Vegas made uh, for those future NHL bets. Because uh, I, gu- I guarantee you, nobody took the Montreal Canadiens to make the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, if I did, then I'd be, you know, I'd be, I'd be having a great time right now. But you know, I, I did have Tampa Bay to to win the Cup as well. I had Vegas, Tampa Bay, and uh, Edmonton to start the playoffs. Pretty happy about that. But you know. You know, what are your thoughts, Joe? Uh, Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup pl- uh, Finals, and uh, it's just, it's, I never, I never saw it coming. No, it's crazy, and the year kind of led you to lead and to think that it wasn't going to be possible. But if you look back at the last playoffs they were in; they were a tough out then. Mm-hmm. I think we really need to change. When you're looking at futures, you need to change your mindset away from who's good now. You know who's flashy? Who who's the team that's doing well in the regular season? To okay, when it comes time for playoffs, who's going to be that tank, that playoff? Tough. I think that's what we need to look for next year when we're looking for futures. Maybe a team that doesn't really strike you as you know you're not going to score five six goals a night, but maybe when playoffs come, they're going to be tough. I think that's what we'll have to look for next year. Yeah, the Dallas Stars uh, making the finals last year is another great example of. The team that, you know, plays the best defensively, has a great structure, system, uh, you know, they could surprise and go to the cup finals. What are your thoughts, uh, Graminder? I think uh, I, I think this playoff year and last playoff are just an absolute anomaly when it comes to the NHL. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can, yeah, we got you. Excellent, excellent. Um, because... It goes against the grain of what we know about hockey, right? It goes against, like, for example, when in our chat group, there cannot be two Cinderella teams. Only one must succeed, right? That's Montreal. And I don't know. They caught Toronto by surprise. Winnipeg, I had no idea what they were doing. And I think Vegas has realized, like I said, they're missing a top two, a top, a first line and a second line center. Are you going to tell me that Chandler Stevenson is going to come in and center Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, and they're going to advance? That's like asking Brandon Sutter. That's like asking when we had Adam Goddard to get in between <laughs> Besser and 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 uh, JT. But I don't know what to say. I mean. I think Tampa will prevail. Mm-hmm. I think Tampa's built properly. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that in 2015, they lost in the final. And then they went through the hardships and then they overcame them. And now they're that champion that you have to beat. Mm-hmm. And what Montreal is just going to come in and unthrown them? I don't know. That, that'd be a... I, 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 I get it. There's a couple of storylines. 
I think Tampa's going to win. But I also thought Vegas was going to win. Exactly. I think everybody I also, had everybody also, had yeah. Everybody had Vegas to beat uh, Montreal. Everybody had Toronto yeah. to beat Montreal, and everybody exactly. had uh, Jets to beat Montreal. And uh, it's un- unbelievable what the Montreal <laughs> have done. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Like, did you see this coming? <laughs> you know what? The Habs are always just that one team where they can just go on a streak. I mean, like this dates back to what, 10 years ago and 12 years ago, like 2009, 2010, kind of those playoffs. You would always kind of see them, you know, make the conference final or kind of go on a, you know, a little bit of a run here. So it's not all that surprising with Montreal. It's just, I still don't like when I, I look at that team and I still see like, like up front, you it's middle six forwards that are just making it work kind of, um, you know, I don't necessarily see them beating Tampa Bay, but it's one of those things where like anything can uh, ha- happen, right? So, yeah, anything could happen. Uh, they've proven that uh, the last three series, like the Winnipeg one, like you said, that was what was Winnipeg doing? Mark Shifley gets suspended first game, and you know after they lost Mark Shifley, I, nobody thought that maybe that Winnipeg was gonna, you know, I thought maybe they would win a game, but they didn't even win a game. Like Montreal just flew right by them and. It's crazy, like, and Carey Price is, looks like he's playing unbelievable right now. They're the Cole Caulfield, as PK Subban calls him, Cole Caulfield. Uh, he's having a you know, hell of a playoffs as well. And the young guys, Nick Suzuki, what a player he is! G- a- underrated player that uh, I could see being on Team Canada when it, uh, in the Olympics if he keeps playing the way he has at a two-way center. Um, you know, we're gonna have David Quadrelli uh, from the Canucks Army and the Canucks Conversation join us here pretty soon. Uh, Told me join us at, uh, after 10 o'clock. So, you know, we're recording this at 9.59 right now, and uh, he should be joining. I just sent him the invite. He'll be joining us here. The Canucks, man. Uh, there's a lot of topics to get into when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, Sadine's just got hired uh, last week. Uh, you know, everything the Sadine said just seemed like they were really excited to get into, uh, you know, maybe helping this team accomplish something that they never have. Um, what are your thoughts, Joe, on the Sedins coming back and you know taking a role into management? Well, I love to see it. I think um, you know I don't think it's a publicity move like people say. I think <clears throat> the key with the Sedins, if they can go ahead and be a buffer in between Benning, Aquilini, in between the players and Benning, a multi-layered buffer, that would be really good. The other thing I've been hearing is that you know. Aquilini is actually going to listen to these guys mm-hmm. so, thing where Benning wants to do something and the Sedins might be able to in a, either cancel that plan or solidify it. So it's a really good positive sign. Um, you know, the concern will be as if they get the Trevor Linden treatment. Yeah. Um, and that will just, I think the fan base, like people are tough on Aquilini now. Just wait. If, if the Sedins go out, this is going to be sour. There'll be banners. There'll be signs, billboards, GoFundMe's, all the Uncle Elite, the goofball, he'll be going off on uh, on this whole thing. That's for sure. So let's just hope that Aquilini gives the Sedins the respect they deserve and treats them fairly. Because if not, I mean, I've supported Aquilini in the past, but even I will be just furious if they do that to the Sedins. Yeah, the uh, Sedins are, you know, they're royalty here in Vancouver, and uh, there's nobody in the city that you know dislikes them as people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could disagree if the, if you thought they weren't the best players and uh, they didn't get it done in the big moments. But at the end of the day, like those guys are, you know, you know, high class human beings that you know just do the right thing. Uh, professional, everything about them is world class, and 
you know, if Aquilini does, you know, ruin a relationship with them, it's not a good news for them as a, you know, as a, in the public. Like, you don't want to be, like, I don't think the family doesn't want to be in that kind of, uh, you know, situation. Uh, Gravinder, what are your thoughts? You know, Tambir and Joe, I agree with both of you. Um, Henrik and Daniel are amazing human beings. They're first Bella Hall of Famers. Unquestioned the greatest players uh, to play for the Canucks, right? Maybe not the most talented. I think Pavel Berry was, but I don't want a repeat of what they did to Trevor Linden, right? This is going to either go really well or go really bad. I don't want to see... I don't want to see um, a PR announcement that Danny and Henrik have amicably split from the Canucks because that's where it's really the shit's really gonna uh, the rubber's really gonna hit the road, right? They already did to Trevor. They brought him in, they they put him in the highest spot, and then they didn't agree with them, and the, and they and they let him go. And now they're gonna bring Danny and Henrik in here, and I think it took a month because. Daddy and Henrik are not going to stand for what the family does, right? No way. And they have to respect that these two guys are the two greatest players yep. in this city who gave just as much as Trevor Linden to the community, who contributed monetarily just as much to the community. And, and if the day comes where they have, where they say, yeah, no, we're going to let you go because we don't agree because we want to uh, 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 fast track this because uh, uh, we ran out of time. That's not going to fly this time. And I think they know that, right? I think they understand. I, I can't understand how you can be a billionaire and not understand what's going on around you, right? So Dalian Henrik coming in, I think, I know on the previous podcast, I've always been weary of Pedersen and Hughes and Besser on Horvat leaving because the new millennial athlete, like we've seen in the NFL, in the NBA, in the MLB, and now Jack Eichel, right? Wanting to leave yeah. because they're unhappy with their environment. They got J.P. Barry. They got Brisson on their side. They can help bridge that gap. And... I think now Danny and Henrik will not stand for for any involvement or any disruption from ownership, which is good, right? Because now they can't screw this up. This is their last chance, honestly, as owners, right? Because who you got? Marcus Nazan, Pavel Bray left, <laughs> right? How many retired jerseys are you going to put up there? Uh, many, uh, tell you, uh, exactly what and then roberto luongo they're going to retire his his jersey and bring him in as gm no i think they retired roberto's jersey uh like you know <laughs> roberto's great i think he won the best goalies i think he was the best goal in max history but i doubt to retire his jersey unless he's the greatest goal in max history roberto luongo no doubt yes he is Corey, Corey schneider's number two and then kurt mcclain uh, i think you're disrespecting kurt mcclain i know his playoff numbers are actually better than Luongo's playoff numbers if you look at him. Um, I, I don't want to get into this conversation about Roberto Luongo and Craig McLean, but you know, I want to get Ryan's Ryan's thought on the Sedins because you know, I, I do agree there, Grimander. Like those guys are not gonna take shit from Aquiline. And I think that them being ad advisors instead of being the president of hockey ops that Trevor was, I think that's good because they won't be in the public as much. They'll they'll still be in the public and be in Abbotsford and stuff, but I doubt that they'll get that, you know, that big you know, make every hockey decision. They may 
tell Benning that they don't like this and Ackley might listen to them over, you know, uh, Benning them himself. But I think that being the, them being advisors is better out in the public. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, you're not really throwing them, like, in a position where they have to make, like, big decisions, right? And I think that was the one thing with, like, Trevor and whatnot is he was kind of there to they brought him in to kind of like what cool public opinion and like kind of, you know, get the fans back on their side with the twins. It's more like, it's a little bit different with that. I think they're, they're better hockey minds than Trevor in a way, just cause I think, you know, with them having retired not that long ago, they're a little bit more adaptable to like this style and kind of can see where it's going and where it's trending. And, you know, I obviously they would know where they kind of maybe lost, you know, a bit of speed or whatnot. And they kind of know where a lot of these players are trending towards with the twins. It's like Aquilini's has, I still think with almost any other fan base, Aquilini probably would have been gone a little while ago. Um, But this is definitely their last chance to really get this right. You don't want the twins to be kind of, in the limelight right now, but I think it's a great sort of spot to kind of groom them in a way because who knows, maybe one of these guys does become GM or assistant GM or president or even make their way into scouting. So, I, yeah. I can, yeah, I can definitely see them, you know, becoming a big part of this team, but not right now, right? I think that them uh, having Abbotsford here, obviously, it's it's awesome to have that as well because now they could, you know, go in and see how these young players are doing in Abbotsford and maybe they see something in a Cole Lind, maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe him in a bottom six role or something, or, you know, like, you know, like uh, maybe Will Lockwood is playing well in Abbotsford and they see that this guy has, you know, build a role with the Canucks with the big club. Maybe they think that he could, you know, like maybe their opinions on certain players in the AHL can change the uh, Travis's mind on maybe giving a younger kid a, a better look than, than he has. Uh, in the past, like there's a lot of times where he gives up on guys like Zach McEwen right away, uh, or he'll overplay a certain player that doesn't really deserve to. You know, like I think that I think having those guys there, it's uh, I think it's great for the organization, and I, I think yeah, you could say it's a PR move and and all that stuff, but usually when you make a move like this, it's going to be good PR because those guys meant so much to the organization already that like not hiring them. It, you know, is like hiring them is obviously going to be a good move for the organization. We're still waiting for David Quadrelli to join us uh, from the Canucks Army and uh, and Canucks Conversation podcast. Uh, he's going to join us, but we'll continue to talk about the Canucks here. Uh, you know, I, just before uh, we got onto this pod, uh, we were just having a conversation about JT Miller and where do you think he would slot in for this team next year? And there's a lot of rumors coming out that Travis might try him at the third C, the third center, uh, third line center spot, and uh, a lot of people disagree that he doesn't, play, he wouldn't be a good option there. And I personally think he would be. Uh, you know, if you could have three lines that could drive play, I think that's good for your team. And uh, like, where do you think, Joe? Where do you think that JT Miller should play next year? I think, I think the third C was Pod Colson next year. I think that could actually work. Yeah, I'm open to that uh, move as well. Um, you know, the 649 line, that line, lotto line really rolled. So I don't mind keeping that line together. Um, I just think that if you drop him to the third line center, you just got to make sure it's something that he really wants to do. Um, so I'd sit down with him at the beginning of the year and say, look, it's something we're looking at. Are you into doing it? Um, if he really wanted to do it, then I would do it. But it's not something I would try to force a guy into. Cause he seems like he's pretty emotional 
and you want to make sure you're kind of harnessing all that energy in a positive way. So I definitely go to him and see what he wanted to do. Um, if I was in charge, that's how I'd approach it. Uh, Grimander? Yeah, I agree with Joe. I mean, I think JT Miller is more than capable of being, I think he's a great second line center. The fact that they traded Adam Gaudet and gave us no reason why they traded Adam Gaudet other than the fact that he was patient zero for our COVID outbreak, mm-hmm. you know, opened up a huge hole and they didn't need to do it. It seems like Jim Benning, like they, when they traded Tyler Sagan because they don't want to be babysitter, right? I don't see anything Adam Gaudet was doing wrong. But um, if we think about this team with Pedersen first line, Horvath second line, JT Miller third line with Hoaglander and Pod Colson, and then putting Petter, uh, putting JT Miller back on the first power play unit, mm-hmm. that would be devastating to, against any team in our division, right? You could play those, I, all three of those lines. Absolutely. And that's 20 really, minutes a game, and boom, right? And that's, and that's what you need. When you, know, when you roll out your team, like the late, great Jason Botford said, we need an army. I don't care if it's your first line. I want you to be afraid of my second line. And when that third line comes out, man, I want that other team to be afraid of that line as well, right? And JT Miller can do that. He's not the best passer. If you've noticed during this year, he has a horrible saucer pass. However, uh, that being said, he wasn't always in the best position to make those passes. But if your first three centers... In the north, in whatever the whatever the division is going to be called next year, right? Pedersen, mm. Horvat, JT Miller. I would take that in a heartbeat, and give JT Miller yeah. a little bit more extra time, a couple of snipers, right? And but have him on the first power play unit. Pedersen, Besser, Miller, Hughes, Hoaglander, Pod Colson, whatever. Fill in the other winger, right? The fact that I can't even come up with the winger is a problem for for Jim Benning. But yeah. uh, for everybody that's having a hard time with JT Miller this year, he is a great player. And I watched him grow. And I, when, when they traded the first round, I was like, who the hell is JT Miller? Right? <laughs> Even I didn't know. And then Alain Vigneault, who is a great coach in the NHL, one of the top winningest coaches in the NHL, I was like, yeah, he finally grew up. Right? And I get it. And I get it. Because it takes time to mature. So a Pedersen Horvat. Uh, JT Miller, one, two, three, bang! All you got to do, I, I, all you got to do now is fill out the outsides, and you're good to go. And you put Miller in a position to succeed on the power play. Don't put him on the penalty kill. Put him on the power play, right? And I, I love JT Miller in that spot, and I think it's great. I think that JT Miller actually on the first unit power play is great, right? But even if you could push him down to the second unit power play and have him play important minutes on the second unit and helping that second unit do better because you look at last year the second unit was terrible and i know they never got as much time those times that the first unit would stay out there full for the full two minutes and it was actually frustrating you know um i think that you know if you could have him even on the second unit power play that'd be great for your team as well but i liked him as a penalty killer last year i thought he did pretty well on the penalty kill i think i would keep him there um and then yeah like you said just fill out the outsides i think you know, if you have a Hoaglander, Besser, and uh, a PD first line, then you have a second line of like Horvat, Pearson, and uh, and now you're now you're trying to find a winger. Now you have to find a guy like maybe you could go on Tyler Foley. Like, you know, Tyler Foley, right? <laughs> 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 It'd be great. 
But like maybe you could go out and maybe trade for a guy like Sam Reinhart. Or maybe you could go and sign a guy who could play in that role as well. You know, like you get a guy uh you know, get a guy from a team that's having some expansion issues. Or the uh sorry, the the Seattle expansion draft, right? Like if you could go out and find it like maybe uh what's his name? Mason Appleton, uh from Winnipeg, who the uh, Winnipeg Jets will probably have a, a tough time um, you know, uh, protecting. You know, or uh, or a uh, Fogel uh, in, in Carolina, right? Uh, I think that uh, that guy could uh, be a good player in the top six. He never had a, to- a top six opportunity, or maybe a Yanni Gord from Tampa Bay, who who uh, could possibly uh, Drance brings him up on the uh, on the podcast there on the Vancast that maybe he they he could be a guy to Canucks target because uh, of expansion issues. Those guys could be could fit pretty well on a, on a line with Bo Horvat and Tanner, Tanner Pearson. So that'd be pretty interesting. And then have a guy like Pod Colson and JT Miller play together on the third line. I think that line could do well against any line in the NHL. So obviously we still got to see how Pod Colson plays when he comes here. But uh, you know, I think I think it could be a good one-two-three punch for the forward group. And then still got to fix that defense. So the Canucks have so many things that they have to do this offseason to make their team into a in a cup contender hopefully in two years but you know this this is this is just a situation that you know jim benning and the team finds them solves in and it's exciting to hear daniel and henrik come in and say you know they were they, they wanted to come in and help this team because it's been hard to watch this team they said it it's been hard for them you know they're they're, they're fans of the team they played for the team it's it's been hard for them to watch this team struggle as much as they have and that just shows you that they're here to not just help this team win in the future, but, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe take a bigger role in management. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts on JT Miller on as a third-line center? JT Miller, I've even tweeted it out before. I've said, like, Brock Besser and JT Miller on, like, good teams should be able to move down to your second line. Like, you should be deep enough where you can kind of move these guys around. I don't mind seeing JT Miller on your third line. It definitely spreads things out a lot more. You won't be as sort of reliant on that one top line the only thing with the Canucks is that it's still there's still such a lack of depth where who's he gonna play with he's gonna play with Pac Colson and Hoglander maybe maybe unless he's still playing second line yeah so it's just who are you gonna put him with like yeah that's my only concern because you obviously you want your best players to play on you know with each other, but you also still should have all that depth. Like him and Patterson were definitely lights out that one. We we don't even know is PD like what was wrong with him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this year was PD was was interesting. Like it's been a weird. It was a overall it was just a terrible year for the team, and uh, you know I I I was just miserable watching this team play. There was a few times where I had a little bit of hope. Uh, and then when they came back from COVID, that was pretty fun when they beat the Leafs twice. But uh, that was it was just a tough year for, as a fan. Uh, I really hope that, you know, young guys could come in and take a bigger step. Like Daniel Hendricks said, like, you're, you're going to need your best players to be the guys that carry the load. And we're going to need Pedersen to be back to the Pedersen that we expect, you know, like the year before. And we're gonna and Besser was great this year. I think that, you know, he he showed that he could take a step this year. Joe, like, where do you think that this team needs to get better? I know you know we talk about analytics all the time in the in the group chat, and you know me and you could go on the side of the eye test more than analytics. But you know, like, you look at what the Montreal Canadiens have done. You know, one percent chance according to Money Puck to win the cup, yeah. 
and they're in the cup finals and a team like Vegas and Colorado isn't yeah. like they obviously play a certain style that helps them play better in the playoffs. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest thing that we do have to work on is our depth in scoring. Uh, well, sorry, our depth in defense comes first. We're not there defensively, but then it comes to depth and scoring. Really the only position we're pretty solid in is in net. So it's actually, you know, I think the team is good enough where they could, you know, make the playoffs. If we're in the Pacific division next year, we're probably going to battle for a playoff spot and probably going to make the playoffs. But the team, like, it would have to have Hughes, Ederson, Besser, Miller. These guys have to go beast mode for us to go on a run. They can't just play average and this team wins. Like, one thing we've seen for sure is that if our top players are not playing well, we don't have a chance to tell. When you look at the cap situation, it is just, it's frightening. There's really, like, we can't add any pieces, any major pieces next year. So, you know, Benning said that two-year thing because he realized he fucked up so bad. That's really how I feel about it. Um, (laughs) We're just, we're way further away from adding pieces to take us to the next level than we ever thought that we should be, like, that, that we should be. But with that said, if our best players play like the way they did in the bubble, I mean, we could beat any team. Like, you know, everyone was so scared of Colorado this year. Well, yeah. Vegas, who lost to, Mid- to Montreal, no one was scared of Montreal. So it just shows hockey's a weird game, man. Weird shit happens all the time in hockey. The puck bounces funny. That's why, you know, to go back to the analytics thing, I don't look at it like in baseball. Like, for example, hockey players can have bad analytics and still be pretty good players. And your analytics suck. You suck. There's no debate. That's just how it that's the biggest difference. <laughs> Here we go. Here's a way. What's up, boys? Hey, sorry. Uh, sorry, I've been so difficult to track down. It's been uh, been a little tough with the heat and everything. But yeah, how's it going? Uh, we're good. We're good. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. It's all good. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just happy to have you on. You know, it's been a while since we talked to you. Um, you know, I know I want to get some Canucks insight from you because uh, you know David Quadrelli from uh, Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation Podcast. Like, it's always good to have you on. I've had Chris on the show before. I don't know if I've had you on the show. I feel like I have. We have. I don't. Yeah, remember. I honestly can't remember. Maybe when I was just starting out. I think. Yeah. yeah the last time I saw you was when we went on the Larch Cast together. Um, yeah, that was. Last time. <laughs> yeah, that was the last time uh, I think I saw you. So yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Nice to have you on, David. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how there's so many things that this team needs to fix. The Canucks have to fix. For next year, um, we were talking about JT Miller in the thir- the 3C spot. It feels like Travis is going to try him out there uh, for the start of next year. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that that could solve a lot of the Canucks issues uh, being a three-line team? Well, first of all, I didn't realize we were recording yet. So hopefully my fan isn't too loud. You let me know if you need me to turn it down or anything. But, we can't uh, hear it all, so you're perfect. good. Fantastic. Sorry, I didn't know we were Dude, on. No, yeah. one's fan, no, no one's fan can be no, louder. No. This is insane, this heat wave. It's like I'm in yeah. Vegas. Oh, it's awful, <laughs> yeah. But to answer your question, Tambi, or what you were saying about JT Miller at 3C, like, I, I'm i kind of on the fence about that because here's the thing about JT Miller, right, is he, he was an integral part of the lotto line, right, two years ago. And even at, the, at periods this season, he was a very important part of that line. And when you look at what the Canucks have in matchups, right, and what they're able to beat teams at, they usually win the goaltending matchup. They don't usually have a better defense group, but they had a better first line than a lot of teams. And that was a lot to do with JT Miller 
meshing really well with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser. So if Elias Pettersson's healthy for the start of next year, I mean, maybe you give Pod Colson a world there out of training camp and then you've got Hoaglander and Pod Colson in your top six. Like, that would be great. And I, I think really the only way you can move Miller to 3C is if you have a guy like Pod Colson who can play on that first line or even, you know, maybe Pod Colson has to play with Miller. It's just, I, I don't think they have the personnel to do it right now. I think you're just, you're kind of hindering yourself and taking away one of your greatest advantages over teams with the lotto line you're kind of taking that away from yourself if you're the Canucks and you put Miller at 3C when you just don't have the supporting cast to go around him um we were just talking about this right now like we don't know what the roster is going to look like next year but there is an expansion draft coming up here soon and if and uh, I think Satyr Shaw from Sports 650 and uh Thomas Strand from the VanCast have mentioned the Canucks might be looking to poach a forward off one of these teams that, that might have a tough time protecting one of their guys, like a Mason Appleton, Mason Appleton from uh, Winnipeg, or uh, is it Warren Fogel from? Is it, uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. Is it Warren Fogel from yep. uh, Carolina? Yep, yeah, yeah, you got it right. That's a great name, by the way. Uh, Warren yeah. Fogel from Carolina. I, I've always liked his game when the Canucks play him, and when I when I get a chance to watch Carolina games, he's very relentless on the puck. Uh, you know, could do guy that could help you win the playoffs. It, it feels like. Um, maybe they can poach one of those guys, or maybe a Yanni Gord. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to have their own issues as well. Um, do you think that the Canucks could improve that part of their? If, if they do add a player like that to their to their group, moving JT Miller to the third line does it make more sense then? Absolutely, and that you know what that was just what I was going to bring up to you is there's a lot of avenues this offseason more than most for them to explore. And look. We all know the Canucks don't have a ton of cap space, right? And they're a little they're a little strapped in that department, so they can't really go bargain hunting in the free agency pool, right? But, you know, they're a team that has an advantage heading into the expansion draft. Like, they have spots to burn, right? And there's a lot of teams that don't. Now, the thing that I get just from talking to people around the league is kind of that GMs aren't going to Bob Murray it. And when I say they're not going to Bob Murray it, I don't think they're going to fumble it as badly as they did with the Vegas expansion draft, I think a lot of teams are just going to say, okay, well, we have to lose this guy. That sucks, but those are the rules. They're not going to try to get creative and how can we protect this guy but lose these two guys. I don't think we're going to see a lot of that in this expansion draft. So, I mean, it's the wrong year, I guess, for the Canucks to have this advantage on teams. But yeah, I think there's absolutely going to be teams that you could, you know, kind of take advantage of when it comes to the expansion draft. I don't think it'll be to the extent that we saw teams do it um, in the in the first first expansion draft with Vegas, but I do think we're going to see it to some extent. And yeah, Stefan Roguet on Canucks Army, he wrote a really good uh, series about di- for right-handed defensemen, centers. Uh, he did a whole bunch of them, uh, just about teams that are going to be losing players at those positions that the Canucks could poach. And he he came up with a lot of names, uh, three of which you've already mentioned. Uh, is Jake Bean one of them as well, or? I think he probably mentioned Jake Bean at some point. Yeah, I think so. Because Jake Bean, yeah, like, just to kind of go off what you're saying there, I really like Jake Bean's game. And I really think they they could use a defenseman like him. Especially, you know, like, if you have a third pair or even a second pair of Rathbone and Bean, like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good going forward and going into next year. The problem we have is our GM is just not not smart enough to to do that so that's the part that hurts i heard some of us talk to you about oh maybe we can get creative when have we ever been creative that's a scary yeah. 
you know what? I got asked that in this week's mailbag. Someone was like, oh, could the Canucks be, uh, could the Canucks, Canucks be smart enough to do this, this, and this? And it was just like, you know what? Like, I don't want to say no. I'm not going to come out and say, you know, no, they're incapable of it. But show me the precedent. There's just not one with this management group just That's yet. That's good, dude. You can, you, you, can never say say no. never. you can say no. These guys can't even buy bottles of water for their berry pickers in Abbotsford. And <laughs> absolutely right, what Julius said as well, right? And I'm not gonna be afraid to say it. I didn't mean to cut you guys off, but that's right. Are they like Joseph? Are they smart enough? And David, as you're saying, right? There's ways to do this. There's ways to have JT Mill on the third line and make our team better. But they've handcuffed themselves in such a way that we can't support our players, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's 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 been the issue with this management regime, right? Is like. You know, everybody points to the draft picks. That's great. You, you've drafted some solid talent at the top of the draft. Now you've, now you've really got to surround those guys with top-tier talent. And that's why, that's why I really liked the JT Miller trade, and I really liked the Tyler Toffoli trade. But then you, you just can't let Toffoli walk, and that's just, you know, that, that is partly on Benning, but again, like, that is also goes up to ownership, right? And, you know, starting to spend again, that, that's a good sign, right? When you see... You know, a guy like Ian Clark get five years ago, I was very vocal about and saying that, look, it was all about the money. They had to pay him. Um, and, and for them to separate uh, coach and GM from the goaltending coach, you know, that's a forward thinking group by the ownership group. So full credit there. But yeah, like you're right. There's just not much of a precedent for them doing other forward thinking moves like that. Yeah, we just talked about the forward group and maybe poaching one of these uh guys from Carolina, Tampa Bay, or, or Winnipeg, but we didn't even get to the defense and the issue that we have on defense. And I know you guys said that we, uh, Jim Benning, he might not be smart enough to pull off these kind of savvy moves, but I felt like last year when he, that Nate Schmidt trade happened, that was something that we were complimenting uh, of Jim Benning, of doing something that, you know, giving up you know only a third-round pick for a guy like Nate Schmidt who was, you know, you know he didn't have a great year in Vancouver, and that was part of it why we're looking at it as not a smart move right now, hindsight. But in the moment, I felt like a lot of people were pretty happy with that trade. Mm -hmm. um, what's going to happen with this defense next year? I know me and you both uh, love J-Bone there, uh, you know, coming in and playing pretty well there at the end, toward the end of the season. Like, we need him. If, if the defense is going to improve, we're going to need him to take a big step. And as, I know he hasn't even played many games in the NHL. It just feels like they're relying on on things that we shouldn't be relying on at this point in the in the rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, in the Jim Benning era. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing about Jack Rathbone, right, is before he made the NHL, we had him on the podcast like twice. And I was texting with him and talking to him, you know, before he got to the NHL. And I asked him this before the start of next year. Or sorry, I, I asked him when he signed his ELC. Um, I asked him if he felt he was NHL ready. And I told him, you know, a lot of scouts say you are. And, you know, he, he, you guys have heard him speak. He's a humble kid. He's a good guy. Uh, so he, he wasn't too cocky or anything, but he was like, uh, I'm confident in my abilities. I think I'll be able to make an impact. And sure enough, he comes and does not disappoint. Again, talking to him after those games, and I, I was talking to him about his goals for this offseason, like in Jack Rathbone's mind, and I'm not trying to speak for him because he hasn't explicitly said this to me, yeah. but he's expecting to make the team out of camp and how could you not with the way he played right and unless they go out and acquire a bunch of defensemen you look at that left side it it's rathbone it's it's got to be rathbone starting there and you know i i even say that as 
you know, him and Alex Edler are going to be playing different roles. And do you bring back Alex Edler? Because to me, you're, if you're bringing back Alex Edler, it's on a low deal and it's to play third pairing seventh, seventh E-man minutes. Because it's just, you know, they need to get guys ahead of him. You can't rely on him playing top four minutes. And that's just what Travis Green's been forced to do for the past couple of years. And, you know, I, I think Travis is a good coach, but man, like the way, the way he has to play the wheels off Edler, it, it's hard to be a good coach when you have to do that. I think with Travis, I want to see how he deploys Edler this year. You know, like, we don't know if he's going to come back yet. I feel like he will. And Sadeen's our advisors now. And, like, I feel like the Sadeen's being advisors is almost beneficial for a guy like Alex Edler. Oh, yeah. They're buddies. And um, Edler in a third line, in a third pair role, I, I'd love it. Like, I, I wouldn't mind it. And this year, the schedule was crazy and COVID yeah. and all that stuff. So, you know, depending on Edler to play that many minutes at this at this time in his career is pretty, you know, it's not fair to the guy. He is 36, though. And eventually you gotta you got to trust some of your young players to take the step. And I know that, you know, Travis was pretty good with Hughes and, you know, ended up giving him minutes pretty quickly, you know, because Hughes showed that he was capable. But I want to see him, you know, be fair to Rathbone here. Was You know, I want to see if, if Jack Rathbone is ready to play, and ready to take on those big minutes, I want to see Travis not be afraid to use him on the second unit power play and afraid to use him in, you know, last 10 minutes of the game in the third period. You know what I mean? Like, play him 15, maybe 16, 17, 18 minutes a night. Trust the kid because at the end of the day, like, we need this kid to take a step. And if he's not capable of doing that, that's going to, you know, that's going to hurt the team and it's going to depend on Edler to play too much, you know? Yeah, it absolutely. Just, it just sucks that we have to go through that avenue. I think a lot of it's going to depend on Travis. Can we, can we? Can we? Are we going to deny the fact that Travis Green trust? I've had the very fortunate experience of meeting Alex Edler personally when I lived in Vancouver a few times. That at 36, your coach is coming to you and saying you're the man on the back end, regardless of his age, regardless of you know. Do you remember in 2010, 2011, he had his back surgery, right? Mike Gillis, Lawrence Gilman, they had a surgery, waited 50 games, brought him back in. Sammy Salo tore his Achilles, brought him back in, in, for, in for the first round. You play it right. If Alex Edler is our most sturdiest, defendable, trustable defenseman, he is an all-time Canuck. Uh, you know, like, if they put him in the right position, like, for example... If we had a couple, like Jack Rathbone, you guys are talking about, uh, Jayton Chatfield, whatever, uh, with Quinn Hughes, if we still had Chris Tanev, could you imagine Alex Adler playing 15 minutes a night on the third pairing on the first power play? That guy can bomb that, man. I can bomb it. I'm 40 years old. I'm 41. I can bomb for anywhere. And it's it's got to be, for Alex Adler insulting, to feel like, He's an afterthought, but he's not. And Travis Green, his coach, trusts him to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine your boss coming to you and saying, hey, you're my number one guy. I got to do it. You got to be the man. And he's going to do it. Travis needs to trust other players. But, to play he, doesn't, but he doesn't have the yeah. option. He doesn't okay, have the well, option. Here's I the agree. Thing. Here's I agree. The thing. I just want to jump agree. in here. I agree with David and Cambier and Joe and Ryan. Everybody else. Okay. I agree. But he doesn't have the option other than the eagle. And that's what he calls him, the eagle, right? Because he comes to the building, 
He's professional. He's the most fit. He's the most capable. I would pick Alex Adler over Quinn Hughes at this point. Maybe not next year because Quinn Hughes is going to get better, right? I don't know about that. What are oh, you talking about? <laughs> you want no, Alex Adler ahead of Quinn Hughes in what? No, 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 David. No, I mean, I, I mean, right now, defensively, not offensively, not offensively. <laughs> Defensively. Okay, no, not even no defensively. Offense, I, I disagree right. defensively. Alexander's foot speed's not there. I've He's getting turnstiled on every rush chance. No chance. I've seen a lot of connect defensemen. Yerke Lume, all these guys. Yerke Lume is one of the great... He could flip the puck up and hit the scoreboard <laughs> in timeout. I've seen it <laughs> by myself. But I think I don't think we give enough respect to Alex Edler. Quinn Hughes is going to be the greatest defenseman we've ever had. Right? He is Kale McCarr. He is Miko Heiskanen. He is the next Victor Hedman, right? No doubt. But I think I think people really, really we lashed out at Edler. Like I remember that twenty ten series when he absolutely destroyed the Kings. Mm-hmm. Right? He was dominant. He was dominant. Yeah. He he is he's gotta be he's at least twenty seven at that time, Germinder. He's thirty six now. He's I know. Six, right? So what does it say? What does it say that your second best defenseman is thirty six? Your number one defenseman is Quinn Hughes, no, right? We don't your have number, we don't have the talent. We don't have the number, talent. Indeed. Your number your number one defense is Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes is absolutely amazing. But the fact that you have a thirty six year old defenseman that's your number two, he's better than Nate Schmidt. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, I, th- I thought. Yeah, I, I, Nate Schmidt this year was dis- disappointing, David. Do you, don't don't you agree? Like. Nate Schmidt yeah. hell of I think I think this year this year is a pandemic year and I think I'm not gonna give an asterisk to anything, but we've all had a rough time in the last 16, 18, 20 months, right? And for Nate Schmidt to come from Vegas, that culture, that winning culture to come into here, I felt like he needed I felt like he needed to be a savior on the defensive end. Just like JT Miller. He had, I had no idea who JT Miller was before we traded for him. And he knocked it out of the park in his first year, right? Yeah. And then I think he was just doing too much, too hard to try to make a difference. Not because he thought he was better than everybody. He's just, he's trying to make a difference and it just failed, right? And the whole team failed this year. It was. So when, yeah. so when all the trade rumors came out that, Oh, let's get a Miller because he's a he's a can't in the locker room. Uh, let's get a Schmidt. He's a, you know, I remember Todd Bertuzzi when they were saying that he was a can't in the locker room. No, he wasn't. He was a leader, right? And so we all have bad years. We all have off days. Like tomorrow's Monday. I'm not looking forward to it. Right? And forty degrees outside. What's that? Forty degrees. Uh, we got David. Yeah. David has to know here. Okay, so David, yeah, please, David. I didn't mean to take over, but David, please, yeah, let me know. Yeah, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> On what exactly? I mean, there's a few things there. Like what Tamir was saying about the deployment of Jack Rathbone. I want to touch on that a little bit because, you know, Travis yeah. was telling us toward the end of the year, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was talking about how he was getting more of a role than Yolevi was, and rightfully so. And kind of mm-hmm. what Travis said is it's kind of like we threw him to the threw him in the deep end and let him figure out how to swim. And he compared it to the deployment of Quinn Hughes. So that was all great toward the end of the season when the games didn't matter. But now when you're going into a full season and the goal is to make the playoffs, make no mistake about it, this team wants to make the playoffs. Is Travis going to trust Jack Rathbone to do the same thing? I think the onus is largely going to be on the player at that point. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I think he's he's in a position where he doesn't have to play Alex Edler top four minutes if Jack Rathbone comes in and does the same thing that he did toward the end of uh, last season. I think eventually it just all depends on who Jack Rathbone is playing with, right? You want him to be playing with a guy that is capable of, you know, helping the kid out, you know, and that's what that's what I want for Jack. Uh, before you go, uh, David, I want to ask you, you know, Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, who would have fucking thought that, right? Like, who's who do you think wins the series? I know we've picked against Montreal all all playoffs. Um, I had I had Vegas, I had Winnipeg, and I had Toronto. Even though I hate Toronto, uh, what does it say about Montreal? And do you think they could pull it off against Tampa? Oh man, I'm I'm hoping they pull it off against Tampa because what a story that would be, right? You, you just you would, I would love to see Tyler Toffoli win a cup. I would love to see Carey Price win a cup. Most of all, um, it's just that's a team you can root for. I think just because there's so many underdogs on that team, and uh, yeah, like I don't know if they could pull it off. I, I correctly predicted Habs in six against Vegas, which I was very happy to do a couple victory laps wow. about. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know about Tampa, man. Like. I, I don't hate how they match up against Tampa, but I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ahead and give the prediction probably Tampa in seven. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I think it'll be close. You don't get to the Cup final by not by being a team that can just be bowled over. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But yeah, I, I think it's ultimately gonna be Tampa going back to back. Thank you, David, for uh, joining us. Uh, you know, it was, it was awesome talking up with you. Uh, hope we could uh, you know talk again uh, during the season, maybe before the season starts. Um, it's going to be a fun summer. Uh, again, David Quadrelli from uh, the Canucks Army and, uh, and the Canucks Conversation podcast. And thank you again, David, for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Anytime. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. That was David Quadrelli from Canucks Army and uh, Canucks Conversation podcast. Uh, it was awesome to have him on again. Like I said, uh, very knowledgeable kid. Uh, knows his shit. Um, I love his, you know, I love his uh, passion for talking Canucks and talking hockey. You can just tell he loves it. And I just hope he continues to do it uh, for many years because he's gonna, he's a he's a future star, just like Carmen Dale. It's this future star in this uh, in this industry. Uh, just want to talk quickly with you guys about future bets here. Uh, before we end the show here, we got like 10 minutes, we'll end it in 10. Like, Gremender was talking about future NFL bets. We could talk about that. Like, do you guys, do you guys have any future bets here for the NFL coming up? Joe? I, I think first we should acknowledge Joe yeah. for his amazing MLB picks because we didn't get a chance to touch on it last time. But, Joe, what's going on? How do you know about all this? <laughs> analytics. <laughs> analytics. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, it is a little bit. Del- yeah, so I, yeah, sorry, Tavir. I don't, I don't think we gave Joe enough time last time, right? We were yeah, talking we, about Euro. Yeah. and But yeah. Joe's been carrying us. He's yeah. been carrying SCT with his MLB bets. And and yeah, Joe. Go, I don't know, Tambry. Go ahead. I think I think betting wise, yeah, that and the NFL. We got. I have some stuff to do, but I think Joe needs to talk about how he's like carrying us right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, the last actually week hasn't been that great, so that sucked. But just overall, you know, just sticking to your gut, I think, is key when it comes to any kind of gambling. You can't really go against yourself. I, I kind of have a process where I look at the odds, see what I like. Then I go and try to vet the information by looking at some stats and some numbers, pitching matchups, um, different different key analytics stats that I look at. But it really comes down to you got to stick with your gut. So usually what I do, if my gut's telling me something and all the numbers are counter that, then I won't take the bet. Mm-hmm. 
um, unless it's something that I really believe in. So I have that for baseball. My only futures, I did Blue Jays because I'm a Blue Jays fan, and that's not looking too great with the way their bullpen is. But right. I also Padres, so that bet's looking pretty good. And then uh, if you have been following us, you know we, we take the Giants all the time. So I'm a huge, sure. huge fan of the San Francisco Giants this year. They've just been an unbelievable team. So. They're not. They're still good odds for futures, so it's something to look at. But I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't have them. I'm probably not going to. I'm just going to keep hammering them um, day in day out. Tomorrow, they're plus one sixty against the LA Dodgers. Um, the last time they played with the Dodgers, uh, they got blown out in the series. I, I don't. Even, I think they lost. I think they won one game. Sorry, in the series. Um, but I'm probably going to have to take that plus one sixty for the Do- for the Giants. That's just. It's too much money. Uh, yeah, I haven't been posting the the bets here recently this weekend, especially. Uh, I've I've just had a hard time, you know, keeping up with everything, getting the bets on Twitter on time, and and, and the playoffs especially have been hard. Uh, we've we've been on a slump here with the, you know, if Joe isn't carrying us. We're we're pretty bad, you know. Like, you know, there was a time where the the NBA and the NHL were going pretty well, but then, you know, after a little while, it gets a little frustrating and. Uh, it's tough uh, keeping up, especially when you're losing. When you're winning, it's easy to post everything on time. You're you're happy, you're pumped. But then when you're losing, it's just, you know, I'm taking a break. I know I'm supposed to be posting on SCT. I think someone else needs to take control. Prab maybe pizza guy if he could take over uh, on some of these uh, on these uh, plays every day that we've been doing plays of the day, plays of the month, whatever. That'd be great. Um, NFL uh, is coming up soon. Um, we're gonna we're gonna come back during the NFL season. We're gonna put our put bets out on NFL when it comes back, and maybe give some shit away. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, um, you know, we're gonna end the podcast here. Uh, you know, we've had a, oh, a lot of crap uh, content. Yeah, it's totally cool. Totally understand where you. Well, you got from. your future bet. Sorry, oh, Megan, yeah. you're like there. I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing Astros. When are you there? Series. Yeah. If I turn my camera off, maybe I'll be. Well, there. Who was that? Who, who was, was the guy? Match Snack has an Astros to win the World Series. He has like a, a uh, million dollars on him or something. Yeah, the Astros. Yeah, on the Astros, yeah, yeah. are seeming they're climbing up the standings, right? And eh, it's a bet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm hearing out of Vegas and out of Philly and out of New York that Astros are the ones to go for the MLB. When it comes to basketball, the Suns, oh my God, the Phoenix Suns, that's insane. There's no LeBron. There's no one standing in their way except for Jonas, right? And so let's see if Jonas can do it. But there's nothing, there's, there's no bad way to go about it. Um, I think we've all been doing really well when it comes to the betting, right? If you're over 50%, you're 100% of the time, you're better than 100%. So I know that doesn't make sense to some people, but it is to me because I'm a math guy. But the Astros for sure, okay? And then we're going to have the Washington Redskins winning the NFC, what is it? The Washington football team. The Washington, oh, sorry. You're right. The Very Washington politically correct, team. man. Get, <laughs> I know, I get, know, uh, I know right? <laughs> to win their division. <laughs> to win the West. To go to I the think Super that's a good Bowl. Idea. To go uh, to the Super Bowl. NFC East, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the Astros, the MLB, the Washington football team to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win it, but to make it to the Super Bowl, too, they're going to win the conference. For the NHL, Tampa, 
just because I don't want Montreal to win. Uh, MLB, yeah. Astros. There's something about the Astros right now that everybody's kind of, kind of falling along. And when there's smoke, there's fire. I think the Astros are a good play. If, if Mattress Mac is putting money on them, you can mind. <laughs> That's well exactly throw. it. I thought it was so yeah. funny. Like, you might as well throw some money on them as well, right? These clips of these pitchers getting... We're Joe. Joe, you're a MLB guy, right? These yeah. pitchers getting checked. It's like you're going through the airport in the middle of the stadium in front of thousands of people, right? That's pretty embarrassing. Um, in LA, the Dodgers game tonight I was watching, Kershaw had a brilliant game and they checked him um, at the end of the inning and the crowd just went ballistic booing. It was... it was Yeah, it's Kershaw, right? <laughs> Are you really going to think he's cheating? Right? Why did you check Sammy Sosa's bat in 98? Huh? They're using sticky stuff. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, just let them. No, I think no, I think it's under. I think it's it's almost WWE style, right? It's like, let's like, why do you have to check the pitcher during the game on yeah. the broadcast, right? Let's go to let's go to commercial and we'll check the guy, right? Now, whatever that pitcher was that said, I had to change my game because I can't use it. I don't know who that was. That's on him. You know, he's a foot. But <laughs> for everybody else, like they're pulling their pants off. They're pulling their pants down. They're taking their hat off, right? They're taking the gloves off. They're like, I'm not cheating. And I think it's hilarious, but they can do a better job. They just wait for the commercial break. Check the picture, right? Remember Sammy Sosa had a cork bat? Remember that? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, that, you know what? Baseball's no towards cheating, right? Like, yeah. They had their with steroids okay. and all that stuff. That's fine. I'd rather have the pitchers and players take steroids than have me watch this guy be interrogated by an umpire. Yeah. About sticky stuff. But, anyways, yeah. Joe, you're a guy for MOB. That's good. Nicholas Bondi, where is he? I don't know where he is. He's our guy for a Euro. Yeah, he's not here. Hey, um, oh, okay. Nick Bondi, he wanted to join us. And he went viral the, during the weekend. But yeah, like, there's so many, there's just so many sports going on right now. The Euro Cup's going on. I know Italy won today. Joe's probably happy here. I don't know, Joe. Like, <laughs> Marino. I know we're we're gonna end the show here real soon. Your last name is Marino. You're Italian. You like a Mex Italian or something? <laughs> like. like <laughs> yes, I am. Actually, you're, you're Mexican and Italian. That's a uh, great. That's it. Like. You don't you don't ever see a, a Mexican Indian, right? Like, <laughs> I'm mixed, but I'm not. You know what? I said I am mixed, but I'm not Mexican. You're not Mexican? No, no, not a lot. Moreno. That sounds like a Mexican last name. No, it's Moreno. It's so M O R E N O is like a Spanish rooted name. You see some Filipinos guys, Spanish guys with that last name, but mine's M A R I. Okay, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My bad. My bad. I, I thought it was Mexican. <laughs> I, I get it. We annoyed. need to get we need to get Joe on with Dan Riccio. And yeah. then they need yeah. to do the, they need to go back and forth with pronunciation yeah, because it's hilarious. <laughs> and Joe, I'm always on your side. Yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna end the show here. Uh, Ryan said he can't play the intro today, so we're just gonna end it right there. Boom. Peace.